I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. What consistently triggers your anger? Okay, I mean it, really, answer it. You don't have to be out loud, maybe even make a note, but hang on to that answer, okay? Because we're going to need it a little bit later. But what is it? What consistently triggers your anger? We'll have something. Okay, well, so we've been talking about love, hate, and anger, and the somewhat surprising role in sound scriptural living that they have. And we've been listening in on the seaside hillside uh, as Jesus publicly teases out the finer points of righteous application, righteously applying love, hate, and anger in order to equip his teenage apprentices before they're out on their own on his behalf. So it's important that he gets this done now. Now, he doesn't downright dismiss our natural understanding of love, hate, and anger. This is important. He knows that we already have some familiarity with it, so he builds on it. He gives it new context, new, new meaning, and a new effect that is altogether different. And it's really cool how he does it, because it's kind of like a great magician. He does this by using a Bible that was in our hands the whole time. Sometimes, we'll swear, it is not the same Bible, because he'll point stuff out and go, where does it? It's in there. It was always in there. And he's just pointing out that the misunderstandings and misapplications that we have all come from misuse of Scripture. Same Scripture. And those, those dysfunctional demands of the religious rulers that weren't working to make anybody holy were in fact wholly misquoted or Frankensteined together, if you will. If you remember, I like that. Frankenstein together to serve the religious powers that be or rather shouldn't be. So Jesus starts correcting and redirecting his hearers to a rightly divided understanding of scripture. And when he does that, it paints this completely different picture of a God who is, surprise, surprise, perfect. A God who is consistently and concurrently loving, even in his hate and anger, which is... Very interesting. But it's because, as Bruce pointed out, Ecclesiastes points out, there is a time, a time for everything. For instance, a time to love and a time to hate. Okay. Turns out, timing is everything. That's the key. Now, let me give you an example. I think you guys have heard this one before. But a stranger, right? A stranger stabbing you and taking your money might not look like love, right? We can agree on that. Until it's time for a life-saving operation, and that stranger is a surgeon, right? Get it? Same stuff with the knife and the money, <laughs> but, but different context, right? It's a little different context at different times. And <laughs> he stabs you and takes your money. <laughs> One of them's good, one of them's... Okay, good, I'm glad we all got there. Anyway, all that's showing us is that it is. The timing is what determines everything. The same thing, the same scenario in a different time completely changes things, right? So before we react or respond to whatever it is, we need to pause to read the room to ask the Lord, what time is it? 
And in each situation, we've got to ask, what does godliness look like in this moment? Right here. Each one. Would it be mercy? Correction? Or anger? Because you can, you can do anger. I know it sounds strange, but you can. There's an anger that you can do. There's a time for us to be angry. So let's take a little closer look at anger this morning. And I, I, I'm really passionate about this topic. I love it because, frankly, I'm kind of an expert on anger. Because I have a very intimate understanding of anger. Because I was consumed by anger a lot in my life. And I'll tell you what, it kept me isolated and arrogant, and it ruined a whole bunch of relationships. So yeah, I'm kind of an expert. How about you? Boy, I hope not. But right now also, I think we all really need to take a good long look at anger because our culture has a misunderstanding of it right now, even though it's being consumed by it. It is rampant. And yet... Like all sin, the bad side of anger, the unrighteous stuff, only survives in the dark. Just a little time in the spotlight will thoroughly clean things up. That's how it works. Problem is, well, light has come into the world. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Mm. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Okay. Unfortunate, but bright, you know, silver linings there. And remember this, okay, remember, anger can be righteous or unrighteous. And I love the word that Bruce used uh, last week, I think, for the sinful kind of anger. He called it Insidious, because it's inside of us, right? <laughs> what a word, it's insidious. It just gives you chills, doesn't it? Because it sounds so subtle and subversive and snaky. Because it is, oh, it is. It is so clever, it's deceptively inoffensive. And it can go unnoticed for ages as it just gnaws away at you from the inside. And here's the trick. It is an expert at disguising itself as righteous, which makes it so easy to just ignore or justify. Because here's what I want you to hear. Anger is a function of love. All right, it is love adjacent, which is why it's so good at masquerading as righteousness. I want you to follow me on this, okay? Anger is simply defending something that you love. It is the protective response aimed at whatever is threatening an object of your affection. That's all it is. I'll give you a quick example. Dads, what do you do if you saw a bully push your little girl to the ground. Hulk smash, right? That is happening. It is instinctual. Because you see, this is how it works. You see, even without trying, our anger provides an honest snapshot of whatever is in our heart. And so because of that, I mean, that was my little girl. You bet I'm angry about that. And so we have no problem advertising what we are angry about. That's bad. i got to take care of it. 
And we even like to raise our voice and make sure that everyone can hear. However, pause, hang on. However, that does not mean that what we love is always good or right. Mm -hmm. And yet, even though we know that that's true as well, we all are aware of the things that we love that are not so righteous. So we, even as we know that, and we know that we're telling the world, we fail we fail to understand, we bury the lead, we miss the huge headline. Anger is revealing all of our secret loves, all of them. It makes our heart completely transparent, but it's in a way that we're blind to. We just don't really pay attention to it. I want you to just think about that time you were late for work and you got stuck behind that little old lady in her big SUV. Hulk smash, right? But what did she really do? What did she really do? Well, she threatened something, right? You're protective. She threatened something. Well, what did she threaten? She threatened something that you deeply and secretly just loved the most. You. It was you that you were protecting. You, your time, your plans, your pride of punctuality. She was making you late. How dare she? She's the enemy. And just like that, that, that quickly, that simply... We can all see exactly how much I love each part of me. We're just advertising it when I get mad. And while it's happening, in the process, in the very midst of it, we don't even realize that we're broadcasting our deepest and darkest loves. I just think I'm having a righteous meltdown, but I'm telling everybody what's in my heart. And that's giving everybody a good, long look at the dark inside of us and bringing it into the light outside of us. Everyone can see it. Because, like it or not, and I think a lot of us are the not part of this, we are involuntarily volunteering our vulnerability. Boy, I tell you, we are real good at doing everything we can to not be vulnerable. We are regularly, routinely vulnerable every day when you get angry. And God made us that way. He tells us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things that he loves and protects. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things that he loves and protects. See? Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this little life hack and even tried to, to warn the bad guys that their heart was showing. He says, hey, he's saying, hey, buddy, FYI, uh, <clears throat> we can all see your heart right there. And it ain't good. There's something wrong with it. And Jesus himself actually starts getting fired up when he sees it. He gets fired up because, well, that's what good physicians do when they see a fatal heart condition. Dude, that's not looking good. And it's especially infuriating when the patient is belligerently ignorant. No, it's not. I mean, when you just fight back. But you see, the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's how that works. He looks at your heart. Uh, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, mm, on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. That's what he sees when he looks at him. He's saying, seriously, man, your heart is showing, and the stuff that I'm seeing there that you love is going to kill you dead until you love and protect the Lord your God. The stuff that you got there is not so good, but you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
I mean, after all, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love and protect your neighbor as well as yourself. Well, that's it. There you go. Case closed. Let's pray. Thank you and good night. We're all done here, right? Next stop is just your heart, population, the Lord and your neighbor. We have figured it out. Unless, unless there's no room at the inside of your heart. Maybe we should check, huh? Maybe we should check for vacancy and see if we, if we got anything insidious hiding inside of us. And I'll tell you what, here's what I love. This is, this is so cool. It is surprisingly easy to take inventory of the things that you truly love, of what's, what's inside there. This is really, this is fun. This is, I'm, an, I'm equipping you to do something that you're going to hate that you have to do for the rest of your life. Running a love check is as simple as can be. It's as simple as just catching yourself getting angry, and then having the honesty and courage to ask yourself one simple question. What is it that I'm defending? It's a tough question, but it does so much. Okay, so let's take me, for instance, perhaps. Maybe you're mad, mad about a Seahawks loss. Well, yeah, I'm mad about a Seahawks loss. It threatens something I love, my love of winning vicariously. And thereby, you know, my undeserved sense of superiority. And I, I love that stuff. That's great. Okay, well, maybe not so good. Well, you ever mad at Dairy Queen for running out of gravy? <laughs> We've all been there, right? <laughs> well, yeah, you know that I'm going to defend satisfying my appetites and my cravings. I will die on that hill. <laughs> Well, maybe your kid missed curfew. Yep, I'm mad at that because I am crazy protective of my child's safety. Oh, that one's not so bad. I think that one's actually kind of righteous. I guess we're not all bad, right? You got some good loves in there. But do you see, do you see what we have here, okay? This is, this is a little minor miracle. What we have right here is this incredible thing because as we all know, the heart itself is deceitful above all things, right? But anger gives us a tool, a tool for doing the impossible. It lets us see through the most guarded thing in all creation, and it gives us a good, long look at our true heart. What is in there? It shines a new light inside every single one of us every single day. Unless you don't get angry every single day, but I just, I don't believe it. But this is huge. That look inside of us is huge because God's entire plan, everything that he is doing hinges on what is inside us. We need to know that. Micah reminds us, he has told you, he has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, defend the right thing and to love kindness because until you love the right thing, you won't defend it. You'll defend whatever it is you're loving, even if it's the wrong thing. And to, well, you know, to do that, we gotta walk humbly with your God, period. Okay, because you see, God alone has a perfect heart. Spoiler alert, you, you go do the check, you know, you look in your heart, you're not going to find it's all perfect in there. And so the closest that we 
can come, that we can ever hope to come, is when we imitate him. That's what we're supposed to do. And we just start with his heart. Because we can only do justice or learn to love by walking humbly with our Lord, like our Lord. That's how we get it done. You don't have it in you. I don't have it in me. We, we, we're not capable of it. That's what we need. James tells us, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this right here. Are you taking notes? You should be. Take notes right here. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger, as opposed to godly anger, right? This is the qualifier. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. That is not part of the plan. Because human anger will be fervently defending all the wrong things. That's, that's what we do, whatever our heart is set on. And so the big question becomes, how do we become slow to become angry? Well, it's all about what we love most. Right? It's that simple. It's about what we love most because, as we've already discovered, anger is just a function of love. It is a part of love. They are connected. And if we love the right things, we'll be working with righteous anger. It's that simple. So how do we do that? Let James finish, can we? Okay, all right. Well, he says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, which is our love, right? Our love for ourself above all else. And then humbly, here's the humble, right? Here's the humble. Here's how we walk humbly. Humbly accept the word planted in you. That's a brief way to say a really big thing. Accept the word, his word planted in you. Let it take root. Get in there. Get those seeds it always comes back to getting his word in our heart. That's how the transformation happens. And that, well, that's the thing that can save us. Do not merely listen to the word. Right? Don't just listen. And so deceive yourself, right? which we all do. He's saying don't just listen to it. Learn to love it. Learn to love it. Put it in your heart and love it. And then you'll... Do. You will do what it says. And that's things like putting away lying, especially to ourselves. Tell, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. And that is the good treasure that pours out of the mouth from the heart that loves the truth. That's how you get there. Okay, now here's, here's what we're, we're building to, all right? This, this short little phrase, be angry be angry, defending and protecting the right things in the right way. That's the, that's the anger. That's okay. And do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. That right there, that's the anger that we can do. That is the impossible balance that we are trying to imitate. Be angry and yet do not sin. That's hard for us. Easy for him. It's the only way he does it. Oh, and also do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Okay, well, that, that part's a little bit interesting because, I, I don't know, it, it, it seems strange to me. What do you think it means? It sounds to me at first, you know, that he's saying, get it done. But trying to reconcile an angry dispute with somebody just before bed is likely impossible. We've, uh, ask anyone who's married, 
<laughs> you can try, but I mean, like, it's likely impossible, impractical, and frequently unwelcome. It's just, okay, don't try and make yourself feel better about this right now. It's, and you're like, the sun's going down, though. <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> so I don't, think, I don't think that's what Paul's saying. I don't think he's saying beat the clock with your apology. And actually, what's interesting here is he's quoting Psalm 4.4, which has a little bit of clarification, I think, for this command. Because in Psalm 4.4, it says, be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Okay, maybe that's what we're doing before the sun goes down. Even if it's the last thing that you do in bed at the end of your day after a full day of fighting with whoever and getting angry, it's the last thing you do in your bed. Take that time to get your heart right. Because it's true, trying to reconcile you know, that angry dispute before bed is often impossible. It might not happen. But straightening out the motivation inside you and your heart, well, that's totally doable. You can do that every single night with a quick heart check. Every night, you should get on your knees and just ask the Lord, what was I really defending? There's that heart check. What was I really defending? What was I protecting? What was I so protective of? What do I love? What is at the core of that anger? And if you get that right, if you can get that right and figure out what that thing is and say, oh, that was unrighteous, I, I'll tell you what, it's easy to let go of as soon as you nail it. As soon as you see what you were angry about and you're like, oh, my ego is what it was. Now it's embarrassing. I don't even want it. I can't be mad about it anymore. But if you figure out what that is and then you get it straightened out, well, then you're going to wake up different. You wake up refreshed and renewed and ready to defend the right thing, which is reconciliation and justice and kindness. And all you need at that point is timing. And you pray for that and he'll give it to you. Just give me that timing, Lord. Okay, but I, I, listen, I understand this because this would be my response. Uh, that sounds nice, but sometimes these things that I love are just too hard to let go of. Some of them are so deeply, they have roots in there. I planted some bad stuff and I've been in love with it for a long time and it is hard to let go of. It's rooted like in my ego, my person, my lust, my despair. I'm addicted to some of these things. Well, take heart, don't worry, don't worry. Take heart right here because God's solution isn't all about letting go. It's not about this incredible willpower that you have to summon and say, get behind me, Satan, it's over. No, 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 no. It's, it's about receiving. It's about receiving. This is oh, why God is so good. It's about receiving, receiving his love through his word. And when you do that, it pushes everything else out. There's no more room at the inside of your heart. That's how God love, God's love does what we can't. It gets in there and says, nobody else. Oh, that's so cool. The very purpose of our creator granting us life is learning to love our loving Father, like our Father, to get a grip on that love, to get it inside of us so it can do what it does. And that is a humble, step-by-step process of knowing, growing, and showing God's righteous love that we receive piece by piece by piece from the inside out. So, anger's not all bad, right? Don't forget that anger is a key component of love because it is a key component of the gospel. Jesus' intervening down here itself, him coming here and doing what he did was a defensive and protective act of love for us. And he was so angry 
at the sin that was destroying us, that he gave his life to kill it. That's love. That is angry love. And it was necessary. It was necessary because our self-loving and sinful hearts need an extraordinary example to imitate and a remarkable reason to receive him. It's pretty, pretty thick walls in that heart, so he had to be incredible. No problem, he did it. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day by day by day by piece by piece by step by step. That's how we get it done. So, next time somebody really sets you off and you start seeing red, take a breath and just remember your heart's showing. Your heart's showing right there. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray, guys. Father God, we love you and we are determined to take a good long look inside ourselves so that we can light it up and get it right. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you help. Help us to hear your truth and adjust our aim when we don't see you in whatever, whatever it is that our heart is showing. And Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for loving us so much that you came and killed our biggest threat, making it possible for us to find our way back into your loving arms. And to that, everybody said, Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.